is the color. Welcome back, everyone. It has been a minute. I'm Bucks, together with my co-host, Brian, out on the West Coast. And we are back with another bonus episode of the FPL Blues podcast. Brian, how are we doing today? Bucks, it's felt like ages. I had to dust off the microphone, had some dust collecting in the closet. I'm back, ready to talk about some FPL. And this is one of the longest ever game weeks in the history of FPL with all these crazy reschedulings. We're still waiting for Burnley versus Watford, but we have a lot of material to go through since we've basically had 18 or 19 days in between game weeks. Yeah, and that Burnley-Watford game is uh, the end. That's the closing match for double game week 23, and it's been a brutal double game week for my squad and for many FPL managers And we are going to be without one of the most popular players from the double game week, Emmanuel Denis. He took a very silly second yellow card to earn a red card. He is my captain. And so he will be going into the books (laughs) with negative two points from a remarkable captaincy in a double game week. And I know, Brian, you dodged a major bullet, not even bringing Dennis into your squad. And so you're sitting much prettier, but uh, we're really going to focus mostly on big picture. So. Why don't you just tell the listeners who you smartly captain that wasn't Dennis the Menace, and then uh, we can get on to uh, our bonus episode content. Man, Bucks, it's crazy that that was two full weeks ago. Basically started the game week and was just instant death for so many managers. I did not fall into the double game week trap, and I avoided using a transfer completely. So I'll have two transfers heading into game week 24, but... I went with King instead. He's been the pick in my squad. He hasn't really returned much other than an assist over the last like three or four matches. But I just decided that after watching some of the other previous double game weeks kind of fizzle out a bit that I didn't want to continue to bring in mid priced assets on bad teams into my squad. So just a bit of luck there. But I do have King and then I also have Ben Foster slotted in goal. It was unfortunate that he had COVID because a lot of us and I believe you did two bucks started him over the likes of yep. David De Gea or Ramsdale. So hopefully we get a couple of points out of Foster. He either starts, maybe gets a few saves. I mean, Burnley's attack is not very good. So I'm optimistic that I'll actually have a green arrow this game week, but uh, no KDB in my squad. And that's where we've seen most of the community have a big, a big game week if they captained him. So how are you looking, Bucks? I know, Dennis, you, know, I, you were giving me a lot of crap for my, for my uh, Salah captain zero points maybe three or four game weeks ago before he went to AFCON when he missed the pen. But now you're saddled with the minus two with your captain. So I feel like that was some good karma. Yeah, I've been uh, just totally swing and missing for my captain selection the last, uh, you know, it's been so long since we last Three strikes, swing and a miss, Bucks. We've had such a long hiatus from the Premier League actually being active and playing matches that I can't even remember the last time I had a good captain return uh or at least the number one captain selection uh in my team uh with the armband responsibilities i had antonio when it was bowen i had uh ronaldo when it was bruno and uh the the list goes on and on it's a pretty sad state of affairs so i'm definitely yeah that's 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 a that's a sob story made for the uh the motion pictures bucks yeah i'm gonna be uh for sure on a a red arrow this game week uh further complicating and uh adding some soggy sorrows to my FPL season. However, let's, let's look at more optimistic and more promising, and that is the new additions to the Premier League. The winter transfer window has just closed, so really we want to highlight the players who could be FPL relevant that have switched clubs and are now potential FPL options, as well as just highlight some players that are leaving the Premier League and how that might change the calculus on potential future FPL relevant players that are going to be getting more responsibility and, and taking up different positions within their existing clubs. So let's, uh, let's get into it. Let's take a quick break and then we'll, we'll make the money fly left and right. Like the premier league and specifically Newcastle was doing in this transfer window. Dollar dollar bills y'all. All right, let's take a look at the January transfer window roundup bucks. We saw money flying from the owner's hands, just like they were at an adult's late night club. And uh, we had some interesting signings. I think the one that caught a lot of our 
attention uh, was Luis Diaz heading to Liverpool for about 37 and a half million euros. This was a transfer that the Tottenham Hotspurs were trying to make to bolster their attack. And instead we see the, uh, the Liverpool Reds swoop in there. What are your thoughts on this big move, especially because he's a player 25 years old playing on the left. Could he be a Mane replacement in the years to come here? I think this is a classy signing by Liverpool, and it's a continuation of really great business in the transfer windows under Jurgen Klopp. He's able to identify players who he thinks he can groom within his system at Liverpool to bring out the best versions of themselves. And we've seen this not too long ago. He brought in a kind of player who was middling at Wolves, Diego Jota, and now It's without question, he is one of the most elite finishers in the Premier League. And he's playing out of position as kind of the third forward for Liverpool. And I I mean, Bucks, Bucks, I got to stop you. I don't know if he's elite at finishing, but he's in the right spots. Listen, he's 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 got 10 plus goals. I would say anyone who already has double digit goals in a campaign, uh, you know, just over halfway through, you have to give them credit. He is a really classy and quality finisher. And he's selfish, and he really has that eye for goal. So I rate Jota. I think if he was on a different club where he wasn't kind of overshadowed by the player to the right and the left of him in Sadio Mane and Mo Salah, he'd be getting plaudits and, and really potentially in, in the deserved conversation for the Golden Boot Award just as a standout player in his own right. So I think Jota is very classy, and I think – Luis Diaz, he's a young player coming from a lesser league, but a top team in Porto in the Portuguese Premier League. And he is rated by a lot of people who are, you know, deep in with the emerging next wave of talent. He's in his early 20s, and I think he's going to be a player that's going to be in the Liverpool side for years and years to come. So great piece of business for them. Huge FU from Luis Diaz to the Spurs team. He, uh, even in his signing uh, social media video, he had a little segment where saying uh, that he was going to Spurs and it kind of, he tears it up and it becomes part of the confetti announcing his Liverpool. Oh, wow. I did not, I did not see that, Bucks. <laughs> so That's a big, a big FU. Middle finger to the Spurs once again. Ugh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we could just jump to Spurs because I think they were one of the sides that had a more challenging transfer window. They do end up signing two well-regarded players. They bring in Bentencourt from Juventus and Kulisevsky also from Juventus. Um, nice I pronunciation think, there, Bucks. Good work. Thank you. I'm uh, I'm trying to not be canceled for pronunciation. My uh, FPL gameplay, that's a whole different story. <laughs> uh, these guys are going to be probably mostly depth, um, but Spurs were really busy. They were in the news. They were really hot on Adama Traore. They also swung and missed on bringing him into the club. And they were also in the transfer window a lot for moving players off uh, so that they went elsewhere. So yeah, I think Spurs all in all, you'd be disappointed, but you have to be optimistic that Conte is, is really starting to get this team rounded out. And I think come the summer transfer window where more business often is done, Um, We're going to see a lot more Conte-style signings that are going to really strengthen the Spurs side for a potential go at a top four finish in 2023. Yeah, I think from a Conte perspective, he's trying to identify players that can improve their team now. And for the rest of the season, this Kulaveski, how do you say it, Bucks? Kulisevsky. He's he's an interesting interesting player because it's just a loan. I actually thought that it was interesting that he's just loaned to the club till the end of the season where this Benton core guy is uh, 16 million euro signing. So um, I would expect that we will see the players hit the pitch in the same amount of the investment that Spurs made in them. So I think we'll be seeing a lot more Benton core and he'll be more FPL relevant uh, going into the end of the season. Yeah. Ultimately, if these guys can contribute, they will strengthen Spurs, which I do uh, like the um, you know opportunities for Son and Kane as an FPL perspective, but looking at what Conte can do if these guys can come and contribute, I think it just strengthens their team, and uh, we'll see if they can uh, continue to make a surge. 
Yeah, just worth mentioning that a couple of the names that are no longer going to be on Spurs as we end the season. Delhi Ali, he makes a shocking transfer move within the Premier League to Everton. And they also send out... He was poached. Yeah, he was poached by Fat Frank. Hey, hey, we don't talk about one of Chelsea's oh, sorry, sorry, players sorry. that way. Well, he's not skinny Frank, so who is he? Fuck, hey, just Frank he's, Lampard? He's, he's dad bod Frank. Uh, I can I can <laughs> get behind a, a guy who's shaped like me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to business. And Dumbele, he's gone. He's back. Uh, he was transferred in for the highest amount ever for Spurs. Epic fail. I think we could all agree on that. Brian Hill hits the transfer window and Giovanni Lacelso. Next. Next, let's take a look at Newcastle. They are spending that money left and right, and they have the ownership group behind them to do so. $113 million spent by Newcastle in this window. So they make a ton of additions to their team, and they're really trying to stay up in the Premier League. They do not want to go down to the championship. So, Bucks, they made additions to their team at every level and have basically remade their back line, which I think is where they've had the most pain this season. So I think let's let's start there. What are your thoughts on the additions of Dan Byrne from Brighton, Matt Target on loan from Villa, and then let's not forget Trippier as well. So I think these are all good moves. I don't think any of them are shocking and transformative. I just think that Newcastle need to have some quality Premier League proven defenders in their club to kind of right the ship. They need to eventually start getting some results, whether it's just stringing together some draws, getting an odd W after, you know, this team is built to concede a lot of goals. So I think that the investment getting some competent wing backs like Matt Target and Kieran Trippier, they're going to just be a more competent unit as they look to kind of set up and get results going into the last 20-odd matches of their season. That being said, I do want to note that they were trying to make a big swing in pursuit of Dean Henderson and having him loaned from Man United. That ended up falling through right at the knife's edge of the close of the transfer window. So I think had they signed Dean Henderson, we might be talking about Newcastle as a team to potentially target for defenders, which is shocking and something I never thought I would say. Yeah. And then we can also talk about Bruno Guimaraes. How do you say this guy's name, Bucks? You're pretty much the English master here. I'm the math guy. What are your thoughts on this pronunciation? So I think it's Bruno Guimaraes. And uh, he's brought in from Lyon uh, in the French Ligue 1. And this is a massive move. I mean, 35 million euro. Holy cannoli. They are really betting. (laughs) They're betting the farm that this Bruno is going to be as impactful as Bruno Fernandez at Man United. So uh, I really don't know anything about this player. I saw the kind of YouTube highlight reel that was put out around the time that this, his signature went live on contract for Newcastle. He seems like he's pretty creative, has definitely a lot of speed and is more of a kind of similar to Bruno Fernandes, more of a creative player in the midfield. But I just think that this is, this is the kind of business that Newcastle, they need to really be looking at the here and the now. And I think Bruno is maybe a player that also has some upside long-term. So I think it's good business because listen, they have, they have money to throw at everyone. So I think that getting Bruno in and, and suiting him up now to help kind of right the ship and hopefully avoid relegation is, is a move they had to make. Yeah, from the highlights that I've seen of him, you know, he's very fit. He can get to box to box. And I think it really benefits the front line of St. Max. You know, when Callum Wilson comes back, we can't forget that Chris Wood was also signed in this transfer window. So I think it really benefits the players like uh, those guys at in the front line. So it'll be interesting to see how he adapts to the Premier League pace, but he seems like a player that um, is, is pretty quality. Yeah, agreed. And I think the most important thing with this Bruno signing might be that he's going to step in and probably slot in for Almiron, who has been playing. He's a very slight figure in midfield and doesn't really cover 
um, the back line of Newcastle in any way, shape, or form. So I think Newcastle just need to kind of bring in players who are Premier League ready and are ready to take on a lot of minutes and kind of dish it out uh, on the pitch. And I think this Bruno uh, player is, is one of those kind of guys. All right, let's move on to the NBA prospect. I mean, FPL prospect standing tall at six foot six. Wout Weghorst coming from the Bundesliga into Burnley side. This is a player that has scored 15 plus goals in the last three seasons. And he really looked impressive in the Euros of 2020. Bucks, what are your thoughts here as this guy could be a potential target at 6.5 million for all the double game weeks that are coming up for Burnley? So just this will be one of the only times we give Burnley due credit. This was really smart transfer business for them. They move off Chris Wood. He's been dealing with some nagging injuries, most recently a little bit of a back sprain uh, that almost held up his transfer to Newcastle. Newcastle bring in Chris Wood for 25 million euro. And what does Burnley do with the money that they brought in for Chris Wood? They flip it. They take half of it and they bring in Voot. And Voot is, uh, he's about a foot taller than most uh, traditional Premier League defenders. So <laughs> he'll definitely have that advantage, but he's not a player in the vein of Peter Crouch, who was just old and kind of like very, sorry, who was older player, who was tall and very skinny. Sorry, Peter Crouch, if you're a listener. That was, got <laughs> astray there. The but, slander, uh, damn. Yeah, Voot is a good player. He's physical, and I think he's going to slot in perfectly in Sean Deitch's system. Uh, he's taller than Chris Wood. He might be a little more clinical. We'll see how he does in the Premier League. So I think betting on upside, this is a great transfer move for Burnley. And I think from an FPL perspective, they have so many games that are left to be rescheduled that I'm just a little bit, I'm a little bit sour that my Emmanuel Denny, one of the players I love, is probably going to be outscored by this Voot guy who just got to the Premier League two seconds ago in double game week 24. So uh, I think Voot, he's going to be, he's yeah, Voot is going to be a popular player uh, that's going to be seeing a lot of minutes on this Burnley side and probably seeing a lot of appearances for FPL managers looking to take advantage of double game weeks and kind of make up ground like I am. Yeah, I don't know that much about him. I've only seen him play in the Euros, but I was impressed with him. And I think he was good in the Euros, though. Yes, he was was very solid. solid. And I think especially I can see some McNeil corners into his towering dominant figure in the box to get a few goals for managers. So he's almost a lock for my squad at some point once the double game weeks are announced for Burnley. And he's cheap and somebody that you can you know take a punt on. So will be very interesting for FPL managers. It definitely will be very interesting, but just worth saying that Voot is really the kind of quintessential Sean Dyche player. He's big, he's physical, he can throw his body around. So when you show up for a match against Burnley, you're pretty much showing up for a street fight. And Voot is the kind of striker that is going to embody that attitude. So I think Sean Dyche might propose to Voot by the end of the season if he scores a couple meaningful goals and helps them avoid relegation. <laughs> he, lo- he loves this kind of physical player so much. All right. Speaking of the Euros, another player that we're seeing back in the Premier League is Christian Eriksen. The Danish man in the middle has come back. He's obviously had a very trying time following his collapse in the Euros, and we're happy to see him pass all of his medical and physical tests. And, you know, he hasn't played very much, but he's priced at 5.5 million for FPL. You know, I I really don't think he's going to be an option, but from a nostalgia point of view, you know, he's amassed almost 1,100 FPL points in his career and had some great seasons with the likes of Sonny Boy, Kane, and Delhi. And so it's just good to see him back in the Premier League it's going to take him a while to get up to speed. They're going to take their time. But when they're potentially battling relegation in a few uh, game weeks, you know, five or seven game weeks from now, he could be a good fifth mid to rotate into your team. So um, that's that's basically my thoughts there, Bucks. Nothing for FPL immediately, but just somebody to keep an eye on and could be 
helpful for Mbomo and for the likes of Ivan Tony, who has scored a couple of goals recently and could actually get some service to those guys. Yeah, that's really where my mind goes from an FPL perspective. I don't think Erickson will be the guy, though I'm hopeful for him and kind of for vibes purposes that he will have a couple moments, either from a free kick or an important corner kick that he kind of places inch perfect. But I think the chief beneficiary from the Erickson signing is going to be Brian Mbomo, because I think he's even cheaper than Erickson, and he's just been kind of starved of that perfect through ball delivery. He has so much pace and he loves kind of poaching and playing very aggressive. So I think Erickson is going to be the kind of player that once he's fit and playing regularly, I think that connection is going to be really valuable for FPL returns, not for Erickson necessarily, but for Mbomo and vis-a-vis for Brentford to kind of get uh, more of a strong footing in the Premier League for beyond this season. We also want to highlight the fact that Aston Villa did very well in this transfer window and they have transformed their team by adding depth and also some starting caliber players. So let's not forget Lucas Dean, Philip Coutinho, and Callum Chambers on loan from Arsenal have all joined the Villains. And they have a quality side now with a little more depth for the likes of Gerard to play with. I'm very impressed, especially given their upcoming fixture um, fixture set. It's very impressive. They are going to have a few matches to make up, but then they just have a sea of green fixtures. So uh, what do you think here on the upside of Villa for the rest of the season? I, I rate it. I think that Lucas Dean is clearly an FPL player that is going to be in a lot of managers wildcard teams and transfer plans. And I'm just really impressed with the managerial job that Steven Gerrard is doing coming from Rangers kind of subbing in mid season. He's just done a marvelous job. And I think the players are really playing hard for him. And uh, yeah, he's uh, he's been impressive. And I think that it's interesting that Coutinho played with Gerrard and now he's probably going to be the creative engine in the midfield for a team uh, under Gerrard. So Uh, That's a really interesting uh, way to bookend a career for Coutinho. We should also just note that Everton have been uh, busy during this transfer window. They brought in two players in Deli Alley from Spurs and also Donny Vanderbeek from Man United. And I think probably even more impactful than those two players that are actually going to be playing in the matches, they finally found a long-term coach. I'm not sure if I love the hiring, but they brought on Frank Lampard, who's going to be running the squad and is signed long-term. So he's not an interim manager. So I think that's a transformational window for Everton. They are finally looking to solve the manager position for that club. They've been kind of cycling through them each and every year. And this team is really lacking an identity and potentially is just above a relegation battle. So I think Frank Lampard, Deli Ali and DVB are going to have their hands full and uh, getting their hands very dirty in training ground, uh, trying to figure out the alchemy of getting this team uh, back on the right track. Yeah, we'll see if Deli Ali can rediscover some of his previous form from now is many seasons ago. But I really like the DVB signing. I think he's box to box next to Decore, offers some creativity, and it was just not getting the minutes at Man U. So it's a good loan for Everton. And I think when you look at Lampard as a manager, like he did okay with Chelsea. I don't think he obviously unlocked our defense in any way, but he's an attacking style manager. And if he has a few years to get a grasp of the experience in the premier league, I think he could, you know, be the kind of caliber signing that Everton is looking for. Like, I think a lot of people overstate the potential of Everton. I think they're a mid-table to worst team. So Frank Lampard seems like the ideal name to get and maybe somebody that can improve over time. Wow, Brian, you just said Everton are a mid-table team. They are historically like one of the biggest clubs in England. They're they're like the OG Premier League club. So uh, damn, can't believe you said that. My Premier League experience goes back six years, Bucks. Um, So I call it like I see it, Bucks. It is what it is. All right. We're going to have to have like the fine print just clarify that. uh, Bucks does not condone what Brian just said. All right. Let's go to the players who are no longer with us in the Premier League. 
Uh, we're saying farewell to some players that actually had some real high moments and uh, some real contributions. I think first we need to say a very bizarre transfer window for Pierre-Eric Aubameyang. He has left Arsenal. He was reported to go to Barcelona and he was so enthused about it that he just went and showed up there without the deal being finalized, which was very <laughs> strange. And uh, so he's moving to Barcelona on loan for free. Uh, like one of the most bizarre transfer moves I think I can ever remember. Bucks, this is a player that had many relevant FPL seasons. It's kind of a shame to see him go out this way, but there's a youth movement at Arsenal and they clearly don't need him. So I think it's probably better for the team to continue developing their young attacking assets. And this is, you know, you, you obviously missed a few of these seasons, but he was 20 plus goals in I think three straight seasons under um, Arsenal. So it's, it's tough to see him go, but he also joins Adama Traore who joins Barcelona. We, we like watching him, but his end product is not very good. So for me, good riddance, you know, he, he was always a tease in FPL, but I don't need him around the FPL uh, landscape anymore. This is like such a confusing move. I was trying to wrap my head around the Adama Traore to Barcelona news. It's like, why do they need him? He's the player that doesn't break the starting 11 for Wolverhampton Wanderers. And all of a sudden he's going to be, you know, the marquee signing for a historic club like Barcelona. Very, very strange. I, I don't love the move really for either side. It's, I think it's a loan with the option to buy. If, if I remember correctly. And well, I mean, I, I like, I like it for Traore. He's obviously going back to Spain, grew up and played for Barcelona previously when he was a uh, maybe 50 to 70 pounds lighter. Um, yeah, <laughs> seeing listen. some of those pictures is, is hilarious to see like the before and after for when he started at Barcelona earlier, but I don't see how he all of a sudden starts banging in goals and can figure out how to cross the ball. So it's interesting, but maybe this is just a sign of the times with Barcelona not having actual money to get top premier talent into their side. Well, you know, we mentioned Barcelona twice in the players departing. We should also make sure that we highlight Ferran Torres left earlier in the window for a major uh, bucket of cash. He also is going to Barcelona. He's injured right now. And I just think it's so strange because Ferran Torres is a player who's really coming into his own at Man City, obviously injured and fighting for a spot in the team. Uh, Obama Yang probably clearly passed his prime. And then Adama Traore, like, what is he? So I just think that these are three players who are coming into Barcelona, and I'm not sure they're all going to be regular contributors. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, they're good moves. Uh, poacher moves from Barcelona. But if I was Adama Traore's agent, I would want him going not to Barcelona. I want him going to like Atletico Madrid, where he would for sure play every minute and really have a chance to sparkle. I think he's going to be buried at Barcelona the way he was buried at Wolves. And, that, and that's frustrating for a player who has massive upside. All right, let's take a quick break and we're going to come back and talk about some of the upcoming chip strategies that are going to propel us up the ranks. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Let's do chip discussion. Now, we should note that both Brian and I have five chips remaining. And this season is special because we've been gifted a second free hit bonus power-up. So Brian and I have our triple captain, our bench boost, our second wild card and free hit one and free hit two. So we're going to be mostly focusing on FPL players and how they can best use the free hit wild card and bench boost, or excuse me, and triple captainship, as I think that's what we have most clarity on. And, you know, each and every FPL manager will have to do their own soul searching on how best to use their bench boost and second free hit if they still have it. So with that, let's uh, let's dive into it, Brian. Yeah, Bucks. I know you're potentially contemplating using your second wild card chip relatively soon. I know you've kind of dead ended your team into a few holes with some Watford attackers and a few other Ouch. players that you'd like to remove from your squad. But let's just take a step back. And I think when you're looking at using your second wild card, you should really want to make at least probably six or seven 
moves in your team to strengthen it moving ahead. And when you do pull the trigger, you want to also kind of look at the next set of four to six game weeks and see what are some of the players that other FPL managers will target so you can get ahead of the curve. And so I think that's a good place to start in terms of pulling your wild card. There's also going to be some blank game weeks and double game weeks that haven't been announced yet, but that's also a good time to use your free hit chip. So Bucks, let's talk about wild card from seasons past. My experience is you want to use it around game week 30. So you have the ability to still make up some ground early on. I know managers who have kept it later, they haven't actually seen the marginalized improvement in their teams and in their scores. So what do you think is an ideal time to use a wild card? I agree with you. I think the presence of the second wild card chip makes it even more important to potentially use your wild card sooner rather than later. I think, you know, we had a guest host a couple episodes ago with manager Corey Cummings, uh, Pepe Pig. And uh, last season, he was really making a late charge. And I think he had gone from like eighth overall, and all of a sudden he was in third place and, and really gaining about six to seven points every game week following his second wild card. The issue was he waited until I think it was game week 33, whereas other managers had used it earlier. So he only had five game weeks to make up ground. Whereas if you use it in say 28 or 30, you're going to have more like 10 matches. And that can make a big difference between finishing first overall and at a rank that you're happy about or kind of uh, disappointing entirely and having a forgettable FPL season. So I think we know a couple of things today, which is why with the extended break, it makes it perfect time to really focus on some potential kind of best practice strategies. And we should just note double game week 25 has already been announced for Man United and Brighton. They'll each play twice. Man United play against Southampton at home and then Brighton at home, where Brighton play away at Watford and away at Man United. So those aren't the sexiest double game weeks, but we've also just gotten confirmation that Liverpool is likely to have a double game week in game week 26 at home against Ooh, baby. Leeds, at home against Norwich. Yum, 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 yum. So I think with that as the backdrop, let's just discuss uh, you know, wild carding in 24, wild carding in 25, and kind of what our outlook on the best course of action is for how to use your chip. So if you have at least one free hit chip left, I also want to say that there will be a blank game week in 27. So this is very important because the likes of Chelsea, Leicester, Arsenal, and Liverpool are all going to blank. And a lot of us have assets from those teams. They have a, you know, we're going to be on a potential triple up for Liverpool and common assets from Arsenal, Saka, Martinelli, Ramsdale, White, are all kind of prevalent in the FPL template. I would definitely consider using one of your chips for game week 27 and then deciding where you might wildcard is potentially up to you. But these are two moments in time that you want to build your team towards. And so I think a free hit in 27 allows you to then just get back all those top assets from Liverpool the very next week. Yeah, and and it's worth mentioning if you have two free hits that Game week 30 right now is also earmarked to be a big blank game week. So there's a lot to, that's still unknown. However, I think going into game week 24, I think this could be an opportune time to wildcard. I know I'm probably 50-50. I have the Watford triple up. I have double up in midfield on Man City, which is not where I want to be. I have a couple problems. I have Ben Johnson and Josh Brownhill, and we've seen some other cheap Ugh. options. Uh, yeah, that's uh, my well, feeling exactly. When you say it out loud, Bucks, that that does not sound. Uh, it does sound appealing. like it's. It does sound like it's. It might be time to wild card, doesn't it? it? Those are five or six moves that you could easily make. So uh, I'm definitely thinking about wild card in 24. The only issue is there right now isn't a double game week in 24, and the double game weeks in 25 aren't really juicy enough where I'm going to build my whole team around them. So. I might wait a little longer, but I am for sure going to be triple captaining Mo Salah in game week 26 if that double for Liverpool manifests. And then I'll be free hitting in 27 and potentially 
earmarking my second free hit for game week 30. So the reason that I think maybe wildcarding sooner for my team is obviously I have some issues and I know that I won't be making those transfer moves off my wildcard two template team for two out of the next six game weeks. So that is a little appealing uh, for where I stand in the rankings right now. Yeah, very interesting, Bucks. If you do use your early wild card, when are you going to bench boost? Typically, the most templated idea in the FPL community is to wild card into a team of about 15 playing players and get some cheap assets on your bench. You know, those 4.5 defenders or less of, you know, Foster, who's a goalkeeper that's going to play. You know, would that be your plan to wild card potentially in 24? And then when are you going to use your bench boost? Let's remind our listeners, you cannot use two chips in the same game week. So you would have to bench boost in double game week 25. So that's really what's holding me back from wild carding in game week 24, because no, not having double game weeks that are, you know, really something that are easy to take advantage of, I think is what's holding me back. That being said, something you mentioned earlier in the episode has kind of been ringing in my head um, since we started recording. And that's that the double game weeks have really been pretty disappointing thus far this season. That is worth mentioning that unless you've had Jared Bowen captained or Bruno Fernandez captained, um, if you're an FPL manager and you've done that, kudos to you. You're probably soaring in the rankings. Uh, we, both of us, have not had that success uh, two out of two. So, and I'm O out of two, O for two. I know you're one out of two. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's really, that's what's holding me back. I think the fact that I'm really uncertain about setting a wild card up potentially without Ronaldo right before he has a double game week uh, against decent competition in game week 25, and also not having a clear strategy on when to use the bench boost. That's what's limiting me right now. I'm hopeful that, you know, after the Watford Burnley match, before the midweek fixtures start for double game week, excuse me, for game week 24, that we'll have some clarity on what's going on with postponements for upcoming matches. And that might give me more clarity to go one way or another. Yeah, I think holding on to your wild card, it's your most powerful chip. So I would hold off for another couple of game weeks until we get more information on future doubles. There will be some big fixture turns come game week 28 when we see Chelsea assets come into a huge fixture swing where they're going to have seven or eight green patches in a row for their matches. Uh, right now they have a bunch of blanks. So I think it's worth being patient for now, but definitely trying to triple up on Liverpool players heading into the quote unquote, very likely double game week 26. So when we're talking about those players bucks, I think the ideal triple up is going to be Sala, and then I, I personally like the double up of TAA plus Robertson, but a lot of players already have Jota in place. So just hold on to Jota and hopefully you'll go big that game week. So that's kind of how I'm planning uh, moving ahead. And then in game week 27, none of those Liverpool players will play and that's the time to use the free hit. So, all right, let's move on bucks. This is getting a little convoluted. It's a it, tough it's subject to convey in audio format, but if you go on Twitter and into you know sites like Fantasy Football Hub, Fantasy Football Scout, they're going to have a lot of visuals that kind of help you decipher when you know these fixtures all align and you can use your chips. So there will be a lot of chip strategy articles coming out in the upcoming weeks. It's worth mentioning that there is a common FPL strategy, which is called dead ending your team into a free hit. And basically what that means is you make all of your transfer moves with the understanding that you're going to free hit. So, you know, you're going to make unlimited transfer moves and then coming out of the free hit rather than getting your initial team back of players that you had going into that free hit, you've, you've made the commitment that you're going to wild card after your free hit. So what that means is you're going to have basically two game weeks in a row of full reset. And that's a really popular FPL strategy because it allows you to make short-term transfer moves looking just at this kind of blank free hit opportunity. And then your entire team is going to be totally thrown out the window and you're going to have 15 new players uh, the week following. So that's something that I'm definitely earmarking either in game week 28 or game week 31 
uh, potentially to dead end my team and then, uh, you know, as quickly as possible, initiate my wildcard chip. Yeah. So just to reiterate the top two chip strategies that Bucks and I back are going to be number one, potentially free hitting in 27, free hitting in game week 30, and then using your wild card in game week 31 or 32. And then the next one would be free hitting in 27, wild carding in 28, like Bucks just talked about, and then possibly free hitting in game week 30 as well when there's a bunch of blanks from the FA Cup. So that is, in summary, what we're talking about for our chip strategy. Let's take a quick break. Then we're going to come back with a quick segment, just targeting some of the top double game week 25 assets, and then we'll get out of here. We'll be right back. And we're back. We're going to quickly look ahead to double game week 25. We mentioned uh, that a ton when we were discussing chips. Uh, So we're going to focus mostly on Man United and Brighton in this segment. But at the end, we're also going to cover the teams that have the most matches to be rescheduled, as that's going to be really important as you look ahead to transfer planning, not just this game week, but down the road. Looking at double game week 25 from a Manchester United perspective, you're going to have to have one of Bruno Fernandes or CRY7, Cristiano Ronaldo. Bucks, who would be your choice if you had neither of those players at this given time? So if I had neither, I'd for sure be going to Bruno as a placeholder to then bring in Mo Salah. I think I like that. I think that's going to be a really common strategy for FPL managers. I know I'm looking at how I could potentially make that move uh, for my squad. The issue is if, you know, to bring in a player like Ronaldo, if you don't have him, probably means taking two transfer moves to achieve that. And I don't know if he's a player that we're going to want to have many game weeks after double game week 25 for that to be justified. So that's that's my take at this point in time. And he's looked terrible the last three uh, or four matches. Goes without, so that, goes without saying. With that being said, I do have him in my squad currently. I kind of despise myself for having him, but I am not in any rush to move him on. So if you have either Bruno or Cristiano Ronaldo currently in your squad, sit tight, wait until that double game of 25 is done and then reassess after. But you're going to want one of those two players because they're going to be heavily captained in that double. So let's move to the other attacking players potentially that could fill out our squads and are a little bit cheaper than those two premiums. And I think the top two, now that Mason Greenwood is no longer going to be mentioned on this podcast ever again, let's take a look at Rashford at 9.4 million and also somebody who's half the price, Alanga at 4.8 million in the midfield section. Bucks, what are your take on these two players as potential punts for the double game week? I mean, this might be a boring and kind of canned answer, but I really only think there are four players in this whole Man United roster that should be considered for FPL purposes. I think it's Bruno, Ronaldo, De Gea, and Rashford. I think the list ends there. I know we had toyed around with this Delo guy who was going to sub in and steal Juan Basaka's spot. That hasn't really materialized. And really, one, one of the one of the few traps that we actually dodged, Bucks. I'm glad we did not immediately flock to him because he's being rotated with Wani uh, Biz still. Exactly. And, and, you know, Ragnick hasn't really proven that he's a top quality manager. So I think just go with the proven players who have done it before. And that's my take. This Alanga guy, he seems like a flash in the pan and he could be exciting. He could have upside, but he also could deliver nothing. And Man United could leak a stupid goal in both games. And then he's sitting on four points and you're like, well, I have this guy and I don't even know who the hell he was before this double game week. So why is he in my FPL side? I mean, Alanga is playing a attacking position on the left where usually you would see Rashford. So it is interesting to see how they could potentially line up. They have also been switching their formations a lot, but Alanga is only 4.8 million. He scored a goal in his last three matches. He's played and started a lot of matches as well. So if you're looking for a punt that's low risk and that's somebody that you could then bench for upcoming game weeks, you know, you, you could definitely go that way, but I you think, could do worse. You could do worse than having yeah. this guy play and, and get two fixtures in a game week. I think what's interesting is if it makes sense to maybe waste a transfer, 
bring in Alanga to say you have him in 25, and then maybe you move on to another cheap midfielder like Jacob Ramsey, who plays for Villa, who's even slightly cheaper than Alanga, and he has some upcoming double game weeks uh, in the hopper. So it's just things to consider. Alanga, he's, he's not meant to be in my side, but uh, I definitely understand why FPL managers would be, uh, you know, watch listing him. Yeah, and he's he's passed the eye test, to be honest. He's looked very speedy. And I think if you were on wild card, then you could consider him. I wouldn't be bringing him, bringing him in over these other assets from Manchester United. But if you are going to wild card, he is somebody in 24 or 25 that you could bring into your squad and he could be your fifth um, midfielder and you could bench him in all other situations. So uh, let's move on to Brighton. And I think Brighton is a team that we've seen perform very admirably. They're sitting ninth in the table right now. And their defense, although they have not kept a clean sheet in their last four or five matches, their defense is very solid. They are third in the Premier League for the least amount of goals conceded uh, metric. And it's very impressive right now between the likes of Sanchez, Cucurella, Lamptey, maybe even Joel Feltman. You know, what are your thoughts here on the defense for maybe picking up one of these assets? And let's also say they are rumored to potentially have a double game week in 26. Uh, they have some fixtures to be rearranged, so they could actually play four matches within two game weeks. So that's another consideration on potentially bringing in a cheap asset from their side. What do you think here, Bucks? So I really have been impressed with Brighton. I Diving into the details and the statistics, I'm actually disappointed. I feel like they've been doing much better than where they currently sit in the table. And also, like you said, they haven't kept a clean sheet in ages. They've been hard I mean, done. They, 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 they don't really have an attack, though, right? So, like, they, they haven't kept a clean. They give up, like, one goal per game, and that's enough for them to either draw or lose. So, I mean, that that's the tough part. Like, being ninth in the table, I think, is is pretty good for a, a city like a, a team like Brighton. They're above Villa. They're above Leicester City right now. They're above Leeds, above Everton. Like, I think that's pretty impressive season for a scrappy side. Yeah, but you know, I think Graham Potter is is a really good coach. I would I would say that he's he's in the you know the top twenty percent of coaches in the Premier League. Uh, from my eye, I think he's he should be in the same category, maybe a half step below managers like Conte, Arteta, Pep, and Tuchel. I think he's he's probably the next man up in, in the best managers in the Premier League discussion. Um, and then Sanchez, you know, he's such a darling as a budget goalkeeper. He's now 4.6 million, but he hasn't kept clean sheets recently. So I thought if I would wildcard, he would for sure end up in my team. But when I dove in a little deeper, I was shocked. I was like, where are all the fantasy points that I thought he's for sure gotten? So that's a little frustrating. Another player I do want to shout out is Neil Maupe. He has quietly been having a great season, seven goals, three assists take that any day of the week from a budget striker. And uh, yeah, I just think that Brighton have a lot to play for. They're a real prideful team and they love their coach and they love playing hard for him. So I think uh, that Manchester United match, uh, a lot of FPL managers are going to be earmarking that as a second opportunity for returns for United players. I think it equally, if not more so, is more likely that that's going to be a really cagey game where Brighton are doing everything possible to clean sheet the heck out of man united yeah so i think ultimately bringing one of these assets into your side would be very prudent i wouldn't bring any more than one of them into your side but they're all cheap enough that you'll be able to bench them in bad pictures so bucks let's just rank the defenders i know i mentioned cucarella lamptey and veltman now who is probably more nailed with the dan Byrne exit to newcastle you know how would you rank those three players in this upcoming double game week so Cucurella is the most expensive, but he's also the most nailed and probably the best of the bunch. So he's my number one. And then I think I'm just betting on upside and that's Lamptey. I prefer to go with the wing back. So I'm going to go in price order. I think Cucurella, Lamptey at 4.5 and Joel Veltman at 4.2. I will say that there's a really nice matchup where you can have Brighton defenders and potentially either a Burnley or a Wolves defender. And their matches kind of go really nicely, where if you were to get a Joel Veltman and maybe an eight Nori from Wolves, you could be swapping them for favorable matchups uh, for the long term, which is really nice. That's a good take, Bucks. I think especially if you're on wildcard, looking at having you know, $4.2, $4.3 million 
fourth and fifth defenders would be very wise and could return dividends that you can rotate. We do want to lastly just shout out the clubs in the Premier League with the most matches left to reschedule. This is really important. I know we've been talking about chips and you can't go into a wild card transfer window without knowing the upcoming matches that are to come. So we should shout out Burnley, Leicester, and Arsenal all are going to have four matches in hand uh, as we go into the next couple of game weeks. So that's really important. You want to make sure that on your wildcard draft that you are going to have at least one player, I would say, from each of these clubs. And then there are two teams, Spurs and Everton, who are going to have three fixtures left to reschedule. Obviously, Spurs and Arsenal are the two best teams in this bunch. And so I probably want to have two players from each of those clubs, but I would probably want to have at least one player from all of those options, uh, depending on the actual lineup of the fixtures. So just something worth mentioning. I mean, players like Max Cornett, players like Nick Pope and Voot from Burnley, all are all of a sudden going to be really popular points of conversation for FPL managers because they're going to have so many extra fixtures to play. Yeah, that's a good call, Bucks. We'll continue to pay attention to all the double game week news and let's get out of here bucks we, we talked before the pod we're like we'll do this in half an hour i think we went a tad longer but it feels good to be back in front of the microphone and we will finally end game week 23 on the weekend when the saturday fixture between watford and burnley comes and then we're going to have matches fast and furious coming through this next section so we're very excited to be using a lot of our chips coming up and hopefully We'll see green arrows for everyone moving forward here. Yeah. Especially except, you, Bucks. Especially yeah, I you. need it. I need it more than most. And this game week 23, get out of here. We're done with you. Thanks, everyone. Follow us on social at FPL Blues Podcast. And we'll be back with our traditional episode on Sunday evening following the conclusion of double game week 23. And just a friendly reminder, if you have any double game with questions or you have any wild card or free hit drafts send them our way where we'd love to banter i know we were in touch with bag deep this week to perfect his wild card and man i'm jealous of that team so please feel free to reach out to us we'll get a quick whatsapp conversation going and uh, we'll look forward to talking more fpl very soon